welcome back to Squad Tactica episode 203. Uh, as you can tell, my voice is a little scratchy. It's been a long week. In fact, um, it's going to be a long month actually for me because I'm going to be traveling around the Texas and Oklahoma area for Star Wars Destiny. It's regional time, so I do a podcast for that and I also play in these tournaments and judge them. So. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and now I come back home from a regional in Tulsa, Oklahoma to see there is a ton of Kill Team announcements about Arena, so I'm sure you can guess that's what we're going to be talking about. So, before we get super deep into the show, I want to give a huge shout out and thank you to all of our Patreons. I've, I'm floored that people support the show. I'm, I'm just very grateful and very thankful, so uh, thank you so much. It means a lot to me. I'm, I'm very humbled that, you know, people are enjoying and joining us on uh, Discord and talking in the chat and just, you know, hanging out and talking about Kill Team. It's just incredible. So big thank you um, to every single person who's doing that. And also a thank you to sponsors of the show. Uh, Battle Foam, as you've heard before, they've got fantastic products. They make amazing cases. And with all of these new things coming out, you've got you know the arena box set with all these little doors and things, and then you've got the um, Gene Stealer Cults and the Adeptus Mechanicus set. Like you're you're gonna probably want to get yourself a foam case to protect your stuff, especially with Adepticon coming up, with Nova coming up. There's a lot of different events on the horizon, and you know if you're gonna be traveling by plane. You want to make sure that your stuff is protected. I mean, like, locally, sure, it makes sense. Like, you can put your stuff in a shoebox. You can put your stuff in, you know, something you have a lot more control over. But if you're flying, you know, definitely want to invest in something that can protect your miniatures. And Battlefoam is one of the best, if not the best, companies in the world to provide that protection. So check them out at battlefoam.com. Take a look at all of their stuff. And the best part is it's high-quality product, and it's not super expensive. Um, talking about discount on stuff, Discount Games Inc. also sponsors the show, and you can get 15% off all of your products. If you want a bigger discount, just email Jay at Discount Games Inc., tell him Sugi sent you, and he can hook you up with a much bigger discount depending on what you need and, you know, what you need to order. And with the arena probably clocking in theoretically at around 100 bucks, and then of course you've got these two starter sets. You know, 15% off isn't <laughs> doesn't sound too terrible to me. So definitely check out uh, Discount Games Inc. And they've got, actually, surprisingly, they've got more than just Warhammer. They've got uh, Magic the Gathering. They've got board games. They've got other miniatures, painting supplies, uh, you know, paints and things. So, you know, if you're getting into the hobby and you need some, you know, models, you need some supplies, check them out. They've got really great stuff. And Jay is just a fantastic guy to work with. I highly recommend him. So let's just jump right in and talk about Kill Team Arena. Now, uh, we speculated about this in previous episodes. We weren't sure exactly what this is going to be. We started to get articles from the Warhammer community website, and it's kind of beginning to shape up in a different fashion than what initially I was expecting. So when they first announced Arena, they said it's going to be a highly competitive, super tactical game, and we didn't know what that meant. We knew that there was going to be new rules, and we saw the picture of the board thing, so you could assume that there would be new missions and stuff, but it wasn't super clear what they were going to do. Were they going to you know, have changes to point costs? Were they going to have specific models updated? What were they going to do? And based on these preview articles, we haven't seen any updates to points, 
no updates to weapon profiles, no updates to anything regarding the core rulebook, which is probably good. And what we have started to see is that the arena has a lot of specific rules for missions. They have specific rules for victory points. It, it would seem that they took the rules for missions and tighten them up. So what I mean by that is um, the, the rules inside of like the commander's rulebook and the corset rulebook for um, playing your opponent are a lot of fun. Um, but they are, compared to what we've seen here, a little bit looser. And what I mean by that is your core rulebook would have a, say, say you have a, a setup and you put a couple pieces of terrain on the board and you're fighting over said pieces of terrain. And then you get victory points based on, um, you know, who has control over them. You get victory points based off of, you know, who kills the warlord first, who's in the enemy territory at the end of the game, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Uh, who gets the first kill of a uh, model, stuff like that, you know, like, like classic 8th edition, these little victory point parameters. But they're fairly generic in terms of, you know hey, capture this this oil drum. Hey, capture that box over there. Hey, capture this, you know, piece of area terrain. It's fairly straightforward. And although the setups can be different and the mission parameters can be different, they all kind of favor, you know, capturing stuff or, you know, very similar parameters is what I'm trying to get at. So when we saw that, people started to come up with, you know, their own ideas um, my favorite one is the payload, where you take a piece of terrain, you don't usually it's something small like a crate, and you transport it from point A to point B. If you get from point A to point B, you win. If all of your guys die, you lose. That's it. It's very straightforward. It's very simple. Um, but it is a different form of playing kill team because it's not just, hey, guard this box over here. Oh, hey, guard these three boxes over here. So I think that's a very interesting perspective that the arena competitive skirmish gaming is now focused on creating these environments where you can actually gain command well not command points you can gain victory points throughout the course of the game not at the end of the game which is how current kill team kind of is there are ways to get eight like one or two victory points but usually those are uh, related to killing models which realistically progresses you towards just tabling your opponent. For those of you who don't know what that means, that's just um, taking your opponent's entire army off the table. So you can generally win. Now, like, there's some kill team missions where you don't automatically win if your opponent has no models on the table, but generally if you table your opponent, you're going to win. I've yet to see a game where that doesn't happen, but I know it is possible. So let's talk about this This unboxing uh, article that came out of uh, Warhammer community. So uh, the first picture, if you're on the website, you can see it all. It's public information. Uh, they you know, pull the lid off and you can see there is a lot of plastic in this box. You've got some oil drums, a bunch of doors, those little pipes, basically all the pictures you've seen um, with the board is set up and there's all these miniatures running around. All of those pieces of trade come inside of the box. So now people are starting to wonder uh, what's the price of this thing going to be? And is there going to be a rule book separate from the kill team box? Like, 
are you going to have to buy arena by itself and are there going to be options to buy the rulebook now as we saw with commanders they did produce a pdf at a much lower cost like initially with commanders you had to pay sixty dollars you had to pay for the rulebook you had to pay for the cards you had to pay all that stuff there wasn't a alternative um, so in the previous means of distribution for kill team products like for example row trader uh, or commanders you had to buy the entire boxed product they didn't say you can buy specific models from uh you know rogue trader you can buy just the rule book from commanders everything was pre-packaged now like i said they did create a pdf version for commanders which you could buy separately but it's not a physical copy which i would prefer physical copy so arena kind of falls into that big question mark is it going to be just this box and that's it for the sake of um you know the community i would hope not but let's dive a little bit deeper into the article because there are some things in this box that i think are personally worth buying um and i'm fairly sure games workshop is not going to split them up um for you know people to pick and choose what they want i think games workshop wants you to buy this box get the whole thing and you know there might be some terrain you don't want but there's a lot of things in the box you do want so let's talk about um, what comes in the box. You get five doors, four barrels, 10 crates, one pipe, and one cylindrical container. I'm just reading this off of the website. So that, that's a pretty hefty amount of terrain. I don't feel like you're getting cheated if they said, hey, uh, this box is $100. Okay, I mean, like the terrain in here is probably valued at, let's say a good 30, 40 bucks. Um, and I, I'm not opposed to having more terrain. It just gives you the flexibility to build your little war zones however you want. Um, I know it might seem kind of silly to have a bunch of uh, small pieces of terrain, but I've noticed with Kill Team specifically, I'd rather have um, smaller and shorter terrain than these big chunks everywhere because like, the heart and soul of the design of Kill Team is small skirmish battles. It's not meant to be you know, sit in the corner and just shoot for the whole game. It's not meant to be similar to 40k where you have these big movements and these big waves doing a lot of things. Like, you're supposed to kind of fight over these very specific uh, points on the map. You're supposed to get into combat. You're supposed to kind of argue and yell and scream at each other as you're chucking dice. So, um, having smaller pieces of terrain for me personally creates a thematic element where it feels like uh, the battlefield is much tighter. Um, it creates this availability where uh, models can see each other, so it's much harder to actually be invisible, so to speak. Like, you can't be seen, you can't be shot. Um, it creates this tense environment, uh, especially when you're playing campaigns where you're just like, oh my gosh, like, I have to rush up here, and I have to do this, and I have to protect my flank, and I have to keep my guys alive. Like, it's a very thematic experience when the board feels tighter than it actually is. And I feel that large pieces of terrain don't lend themselves to that experience. Now, it's not for everyone. And I do understand, like, there are times when you definitely want a larger, wider scale feel. Because, you know, you might be outdoors or um, it might be a different environment. But I, I really like what this box is going for. It's going for these close-knit, tight quarters, you know, arena-feeling matches where you're running, you're gunning, you're making strategic decisions that are very important and you feel like the game is faster than it really is because of the 
the design space. Um, so let's keep on moving. You get the uh, Kill Team rulebook. You also get two double-sided boards, which I actually talked about in a previous episode. I was really hoping they were double-sided, which they were. I figured they would be. Um, <clears throat> what's really interesting is Games Workshop has, although created these boards, they've kind of sectioned off areas where it's essentially terrain uh, built into the 2D aesthetic. And what I mean by that is if you look at some of these pictures, you'll see that there's little hallways. So uh, what I'm trying to get to is like the, the board itself, all pieces of the board are not playable. All pieces of the board you can't see through. Uh, there's walls, there's hallways, there's um, little sections in the middle, like, um, you know, you could imagine it as a column or a tower, and they're, they're sectioned off, and there's usually a little bit of orange coloring around them to signify this is, you know, either impassable or uh, it's a, you know, terrain that blocks line of sight. And it creates a really cool atmosphere where even though the board is, you know, the appropriate kill team size, uh, not all of the space on that board is usable. And I think that's really cool because you now have like clearly defined lanes to shoot and move through. So positioning yourself is very important. Um, giving your, your model supporting fire as they run through hallways is important. Um, setting yourself up is really critical. And uh, some of these doors actually sit on specific spaces on the board which would provide a blocking line of sight. Now, although you as the player can see what's on the other side, your model cannot. And it creates this very interesting dynamic where it's kind of like chess. Like, it's open information where everything is. You know where everyone is on the board, uh, but your models do not. And so you have to take that into account. You know, do I open this door? to shoot that, you know, Necron on the other side, but now they can see me. Uh, do I leave this door closed and I go around and try and flank them? Um, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I really think that um, this design is going to... I don't think it's going to change Kill Team. Like, you know, oh, it's so much better, it's so much worse. But I do think it's going to provide a point in which players have to make... Uh, important decisions that they didn't have to make nearly as often with current kill team um, and I, I like that I do I do like the fact that this has been um, play tested and set up by a lot it seems like a lot of people within the community that play um, Warhammer some games have play testers who uh, are just volunteers who don't necessarily play a lot of the game and some games have uh, excellent playtesting. So when you, when you see playtesting, you know, hey, these playtesters at X, Y, and Z, you don't really know what the quality of playtester is. Now, I don't know what the quality of playtesters for this game are, but when they say, hey, we've got one of the guys who organizes Nova as our lead playtester, that gives me a lot of hope because Nova is a very well-run event and they've been doing it for years. And uh, I think anyone who's in charge of Nova probably knows what's going on with miniatures. So to say, hey, this is one of our lead playtesters, okay, I'm uh, I'm very okay with that. I think that they've done a lot of homework, and based on these articles, it looks amazing. And I'm just really, really excited to get my hands on this at some point. Uh, I'm actually traveling 
throughout the month of January and February, so I'm probably getting my copy a little bit later because I just won't have time to review it. Um, <laughs> like, heavily review it and play it with my friends until maybe mid-February or March, if I'm just being really honest. But I like, based on these, these reviews, I like what I'm seeing. Um, but let's let's keep on moving. Let's keep talking. There's still a lot of stuff to kind of uh, punch through here. So uh, reading from the article, the game boards have been specifically designed to create competitive gaming battlefields, which we were talking about earlier. There's lanes of fire. Uh, there's sections that are completely blocked off. It's, a, it's very different from going to your local game store and you have this, I guess it's a palette, if you were thinking as an artist, like you have this empty palette, completely blank. You begin to fill that palette by placing terrain, by setting things up, and you create this work of art every single time you play uh, on your own accord. Sometimes it's uh, it's fair to one side and not fair to another side. Sometimes you know there's better quote unquote better terrain for a specific kill team depending on what your loadout is. There's a lot of different things that could happen. This, I feel, is going to start uh, equalizing that. Now, I'm not saying that when you set up a battlefield, you're trying to give yourself such an advantage that you are just doing better than your opponent. But naturally, when you build a battlefield from scratch, there will be places that are better than others. There will be places that are worse than others. Uh, there will be sides that just have better terrain or more terrain. And there's also the issue of you might set up for a specific deployment and then you roll your dice and you don't get that deployment. And now you're like, oh, no, you know, the I didn't set the board up the way I needed it or the way I wanted it. So the deployment kind of messes up your game plan. And that is the fun of Kill Team. I do understand, like, sometimes that's a fun experience when both you and your opponent don't get the deployment you want. You're like, OK, how do I how do I get around this? How do I figure this out? That is the challenge of war games, is to make strategic decisions, to plan a course, and to follow that course. But I do think that these boards were probably designed so that no matter what setup you take, it's probably going to be fairly equal. Most of these uh, boards look fairly asymmetrical. Um, you know, there's not one side that's just better than the other. Um, you know, if you're in the corners, you can't really see each other. If you're playing from, you know, Dawn of War, like side to side, you're fine. There's a lot of blockage that keeps you from just getting obliterated turn one. Um, if you're playing long end, like there's, you know, or diagonal, like it doesn't really matter which way you play. There's a lot of different places where you can hide your models. You can set yourself up to capture points. Um, and I think that's really good because if you wanted to play a very quick and fair match and you didn't really want to set up the board, you can just pop out one of these double-sided boards onto the table, throw some terrain on it, and go. I think that's what really what Games Workshop is going for, which is funny because Kill Team itself is much shorter than any Games Workshop game ever that I'm aware of, at least for 40k. Like, 40k 8th edition takes hours to play. Kill Team, on a bad day, might take 40 minutes to play. It's really not that difficult. Of course, if you're not accounting for setup and all that stuff, it could take you know upwards of an hour, hour and a half. But with this, it's actually simplifying the game where you can throw down a board, put a couple doors, put a couple uh, barrels and crates, and you're ready to go. And that's surprise. That's really fast. <laughs> it's really just interesting to me that Games Workshop is 
you know, even in their articles saying that they want this to be a, a speedier version of Kill Team. So, all right, I'm, I'm down for it. I do think that they are addressing one of the biggest problems I had with um, the original core team, core rulebook from Kill Team, and that's there's a lot of points in the game where you're not fighting over close quarters objectives. Uh, there's a lot of points in the core rulebook where you can just kind of hide an objective on your side of the board, your opponent can hide an objective on their side of the board, and then what happens is there's just one in the middle and you fight over that. Um, I like the fact that it seems like what they're trying to do is just kind of create a place where all of the capture points are kind of in the middle. They're not on your side, they're not on your opponent's side. And so in order to win games, you, you have to get out there and you have to fight. You can't just hide. You can't just shoot. You have to be mobile and you have to set yourself up to actually hold these capture points for victory conditions at the end of the game. And I know not all armies are built for that. You know, like Tau is a very shooty army. They're not really interested in getting into close quarters assault, which is fine. Same thing with like Imperial Guard. They don't want to get into close quarters assault. Um, but I do think that, based on what I've read, forcing people into these tighter spaces is going to make for some very interesting uh, decision-making uh, options. Because you can't just hide on the top of a building and shoot across the map. If you're using these boards, now, of course, if you use a regular table, that's very viable. Um, but if you're playing with these rules and these boards specifically, uh, you can't just really sit and try and control sections on the map. Now, you can open up a door and try and control a lane. That is viable. But your your sniper rifle, your rail rifle, you can't just sit in the corner and pick off anything within 30 inches. You can only pick off things you can see. And there's clearly lanes developing in these boards where you can't see every single thing that you would like to. So that's going to force you to set up a little bit differently, maybe take different models. Um, and I, actually, I think that's one of the things that excites me the most is uh, with the, the way these boards are set up, you might see players start to take different models in their roster because that's one of the things that they were talking about is you do get a roster with 20 models. And if you always bring a certain mixture of you know models and they always just win you know you might not feel the need to bring anything else but if you play on you know an open area or you play in a tight knit area or you play on a space hulk you definitely probably want to bring extra models that might help fill in some of the weaknesses depending on what map you're playing on and i think that's a really smart decision because not a lot of people are actually utilizing the command roster consistently generally you would bring you know, a very uh, comfortable select couple models. It's like, you know, you bring your model with the best weapon, you bring your model with the best, uh, you know, specialist, and then you bring other things. Well, now you kind of want to have those extra models in case, hey, we're playing on a very tightly knit uh, Space Hulk. Oh, well, you know, I really don't need these, you know, guys with long range weapons. So I'll bring my, my guy with a flamer. I'll bring my guy with, you know, this heavy, uh, you know, this this power fist or this power sword, uh, you know, close quarters weapons. I'll bring the guys with the assault weapons because I don't really need heavy um, because we're going to be running and gunning. And I think that's going to be neat because now as the player, you get to sit and do a little bit more list building of, 
uh, you know, if I play on this map, what do I want in my roster? If I play on that map, what do I want in my roster? And it's always a lot of fun just to sit down and theorycraft, postulate. What is this weapon good for? What is this specialist good for? What is this, uh, you know, list good for? What are these things? How can I swap these things in? It's kind of like when you're building a deck for, like, Magic the Gathering or any other card game. You get to sit and just kind of think and, and play and practice in your head. You know, what do these things do? How can I use these tools in any specific, you know, situation? And I think that this will be a lot of fun for players, especially if you're going into very competitive matches, because uh, it won't just be cut and dry. It'll be a little bit different. I think that's good. So let's move along. What else do you get in this box? And this is actually kind of cool. There are Kill Team Arena objective cards, and you actually get two decks, one for you and one for your opponent. Uh, this is actually really neat because Games Workshop seems to be going the path of um, either one person can buy a box and play with their friends, or you could uh, split it 50-50 with a buddy. So... You're, I mean, like, realistically, you're going to buy this and play it with your friends, but it's not unheard of to say, hey, let's go in 50-50 with you and a friend. You each get one of these decks. You split the terrain. Um, you're probably both going to be using the boards with each other. But, I mean, you, you know, you can have one. Your buddy can have one. And, you, you know, swap them on the weekends or whatever. Um, it's not the same as a starter set, per se. But it is nice that you are getting cards for both players so that, if you have this arena set and your buddy does not, you can still play with each other and you don't necessarily have to split resources in order to utilize everything. I guess is the best way of saying that. Um, and I just want to talk about like this arena objective. These are actually really cool. So the Bounty Hunters arena objective says, uh, when an enemy model is taken out of action, place a kill team token in contact with its base before removing the model from the battlefield. So you know you pull the model off and the little token stays on the table. A score one victory point if a model from your kill team ends its move in contact with any of these markers and then remove one of those markers uh, the model is in contact with. So if you ever played Call of Duty, this is essentially uh, kill confirmed. Now, it's not the exact same as Call of Duty and how that works, but uh, essentially the idea is you kill a model, you put a token. If you go and grab the dog tags of the model you killed, you get an extra victory point. I think that is so cool, and I'm actually really excited to see what the other objective cards are because that is very thematic, at least from a, like a Call of Duty standpoint. Like to me, that was just like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is like exactly what the video game does. Um, but it's really cool that you're not only rewarded a victory point, but I mean, I would assume based on reading this card. Uh, the area objective is something you would play and it's affecting everybody. I don't, I could be wrong. I didn't exactly read if you get to select one, your opponent gets to select one. I don't know how that exactly works, but the fact this card exists means a couple things. Uh, you can play it and it affects everyone on the table or it affects just, you know, you. So if you kill a model, you would put a token and then you could get extra victory points. I don't, I don't know, but we'll get to that later. I just think it's really cool if this affects everybody, then you're going to have this really fun game where you're competing for objectives within the actual match rules themselves. And then on top of that, 
you're going to see all these models like killing things and then running into the midst of the battle trying to pick up these dog tags for extra, extra victory points. And the best part about that is when you have these little increments of like one victory point based off doing something, um, it does create a very fun game because there's uh, many situations where if you play the current kill team rules at the end of the game, someone can just score massive amounts of victory points so so quickly that you just can't catch up. Um, but if the games are tight and it's decided by one or two victory points, something like this could be really important where you now have to think to yourself, all right, I'm behind by a victory point. Um, I'm going to capture this point. They're going to capture those points. But there's three dog tags on the table. If I can get those by the end of this round, I can win the game. But if I do that, I am going to be in line of fire and maybe one or two of my models isn't really going to have any kind of protection and they could die and now you have to kind of sit there and think do i risk it do i try and tie the game do i try and win the game um when i saw this bounty hunters like i'm gonna play with my friend uh the way kill confirmed works in call of duty and um for those of you who don't know how it works when you kill someone in call of duty kill confirmed they drop a dog tag if you pick up the dog tag or anyone on your team picks up the dog tag, you get a victory point. If your opponent or anyone on your opponent's team picks up the dog tag before you do, they deny you that victory point. And so well, when I play with Dave, we're going to do that. Like if you kill someone and you put down an objective, you know, blue versus red. So if, if I'm the blue player and I kill a red player, a little red token will pop up. However, if a red player picks up the token... The victory point is denied. They don't gain a victory point, but I cannot also gain a victory point. Now, that is a custom rule. Uh, not everyone has to do it, uh, but I think that's really, really fun. Just having this as an objective for everyone. I don't know, like I said, I don't know what the rules are exactly, um, but I would love to make this like a universal rule for everyone where it's like, hey, if you kill a model, they drop a little token. And then, like I said before, if your, if your team can protect it, you deny your opponent a victory point. If your opponent can get it before you do, they gain a victory point. Um, because it's just really fun to like blow up a model, run in, grab the victory point token, and then your model gets killed, and then they run in, kill their that that pick up that that token, and you know it keeps going back and forth and back and forth, and you have this like really interesting fight dynamic where there's just this massive like dead zone somewhere on the map because something died, and then you run in, and then that dies, and then they run in, and that dies, and it's just really fun to watch that. So there's an idea for people who are listening. Hey, custom rules. The nice thing about Warhammer, especially Kill Team, is it really rewards people who want to have custom rules. Yes, they've spent tons of time and hours building these rules, but if you're not playing competitively, you can still buy this and enjoy the rules for what they are. You can still enjoy um, playing with different maps, playing with different terrain, playing with these arena objectives that create uh, a very unique environment. I really like what they're doing with these. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so let's keep on moving. There are eight competitive play missions in the book, each with a map featuring opposing deployment zones, symmetrical terrain map setup to ensure even balance. These missions are presented as mission cards for ease of reference. So we know that there's 64 pages of rules. Eight of these are missions when it's not necessarily one page. It's probably like two or three. Uh, but I'm zooming in here on the picture from the Warhammer community. 
and something we were talking about earlier, uh, victory conditions. Uh, there's a uh, very clear picture of the map, and you can see it is symmetrical, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Uh, your deployment zones are in the corners of the map, and you can look at this picture online and you know see what I'm talking about. But uh, it just kind of goes back to what I was saying. These maps are clearly designed to be balanced so that right out of the gate, no one really has an advantage. Uh, Long-range armies don't instantly have an advantage over short-range armies. Melee armies aren't just going to get shot off the board, so on and so forth. You're both stuck in a corner, there's walls, there's blocking terrain. You're going to have to maneuver around the map and not get yourself just murdered. But looking at the victory conditions, this is something we were talking about that I think is going to be very interesting in the way Kill Team is played. So I'm just going to read off this card. It says, victory conditions, victory points are scored for the following. Uh, take and hold. At the end of a battle round, a player scores one victory point for each of the following conditions that they satisfy for a maximum of three victory points. So you actually have options and you're scoring the victory points at the end of a round instead of at the end of the game. So here are the three options. You can control one or more objective markers. You can control two or more objective markers, or you can control more objective markers than their opponent. It says a player cannot score more than nine victory points for this victory condition in this mission. So there is a cap to how many points you can score. There are options and ways you can score them. And based on that, you can score more points through the course of the game. I think it's really good because there's way too many times where we played. And for example, uh, there was a game I played with Dave once. And I played Death Guard. And he played Imperial Guard, Astro Militarum. And I was able, and this was the five um, capture points where you have two on your side, two on your opponent's side, one in the middle. And the, uh, the victory points are, I think you get one point for each of your capture points. You get three points for the um, point in the middle. And if for some reason you get into your opponent's deployment zone and you capture their points, they're uh, two or three victory points. And that's per round. So generally what happens is round one, both players get to their side, so they get two victory points automatically, and they start to progress down the center to try and get that um, three victory points per turn in the middle of the battlefield. So what happened was I got super, super lucky. I was running Plague Marines and Poxwalkers. So I sit um, two of my, you know, Poxwalkers are like three points a mile. So I sit one Poxwalker on each of my capture points so easy easy victory points he sets a couple of his you know imperial guardsmen on his points so easy and now we start to run down the middle try and fight over uh who gets the center clearly i'm going to throw my pox walkers there because i think i'm running like eight or nine and they're just cheap bodies they're probably going to survive um, just because i have way more models than my opponent does and so i throw my um, plague marines down the left side of the map and I get super, super lucky, and I actually kill his model on the victory point on his left side. And I get my Poxwalkers to the center of the table. So I get five victory points. He gets one. Uh, by turn two, I am now on his side of the table, and I'm contesting uh, the left-hand side because he threw some more models over there. Um, but the same problem arrives by the end of the round, I get five victory points and he gets one because I have my two on my side, 
the one in the middle that produces three, even if it produces two. I okay, well, well I can't remember what the numbers. I thought it was three, but someone might say, oh no, no, it's it's two. Regardless, I'm getting victory points faster than he can ever possibly accrue. By the end of round two, in order for him to catch up, he, I would have to have zero. Like he would have to control every single point for like a round and a half, and that's just not going to happen. Um, because he's losing models way faster than I'm losing models. And so that's kind of the problem we had with that was, it, even though it's really fun, if someone stockpiles points early game, it's just really difficult to win the game if you don't table them. And that's kind of a feel-bad place because you're probably already behind the curve. Uh, if you're not, like, in that situation, it was just really unlucky. I got a hit, he failed. I got a hit, I got a wound, he failed to save, and he, he just rolled six. So, well, I rolled the six on the, on the, the wound chart. So it was just kind of like, huh, you know, that happens in games. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. And the reason I say all that is that was one of those things where the points scaled so quickly, it was basically over by turn two. And he conceded and we played a different game, another game, because there just wasn't a reason to keep playing. And... As fun as it was to win, it also felt like really bad design because like the idea of playing Kill Team or any game is you kind of want to play the entirety of the game and when you're, as you're playing, while you're playing, you're progressively getting points so that the game is tight. You don't really enjoy blowouts whether you're winning or losing because it's like, oh, yeah, I beat you 500 points to zero. You know, if you're playing any kind of sport, it's just boring. You want it to be really tight, really close knit. You know, it's fifty to fifty, fifty one to fifty, fifty two to fifty one. You know, and you keep going back and forth and back and forth. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing with these. You know, especially with the fact that there is a cap. You can't go over nine points by doing these take and hold victory conditions. Um, you get one if you fulfill any of those. So if you control one objective and your opponent controls one objective, you both get a victory point. It doesn't actually say contesting so it just says if you control one or more victory objectives now I'm, I'm assuming that you can contest a point but if you've got a guy holding a point over in one corner they've got a guy holding a point in another corner you're both getting victory points um, you know so like there's these these stratagems where you can gain victory points but you only cap out at nine so if you get to nine and your opponent is at seven they can still catch up by the end of a round and you have to figure out a way to get victory points by some other means because you've capped so i think that's really good especially when these matches are probably going to play five rounds and you probably can get to nine points by around three or four so i, I definitely like that uh there's also arena objectives on this card uh there's an activate engines action there's all there's all kinds of things that are really nice i'm, I'm not going to read all of them because it would just take too much time um, but we're going to keep on moving. Something else that was presented within this box is doubles play. I'm not going to lie. I did not see this coming. I never anticipated them to support uh, four players. And I think this is fantastic. I would actually really like to play uh, tournaments with doubles. I think that would be um, awesome. And I, I mean... <laughs> When I read this, I was just blown away. Games Workshop is... 
like I'm not I'm not this isn't like a complaint. Uh, Games Workshop has focused very heavily on the uh, the one v one player experience, making sure things are you know tightly knit, tightly wound. You know your army versus their army clashing, and yes, you could do two v twos at Eighth Edition, but it's really really busy. There was just so much going on. It, it, if you you had to take a day, you really had to take an entire day to do that stuff, especially if you're playing with you know, even a thousand points. It was just a long process. It was fun, uh, but it took a lot of time. And it honestly, it wasn't really supported by Games Workshop. It was more of a community-driven thing. So seeing Games Workshop have not only rules, but design for it is like, wow. Okay. I'm very impressed. I am super impressed. And similar to what we were talking about with, uh, you know, the 1v1s, there's victory conditions, there's arena objectives, there's all those things. And if they let you do kill confirmed with four people, holy cow, that's going to be fun. Anyways, I digress. So these are called uh, Battle Brothers missions, and there's four of them inside of uh, the rulebook. So, you know, you've got eight 1v1s, four 2v2s, uh, and you utilize both of the double-sided game boards when you're playing Battle Brothers matches. So uh, that's probably why there were two of them in the box. I think that's a great idea. Uh, I do hope as the game progresses, if this is popular, we do see more of these uh, double-sided boards printed in packs of two. So that way you can play Battle Brothers with, you know, if you have a group of four people, you can play 2v2s or, you know, 1v1s. It's, you know, it doesn't really matter. But I'm really excited to see what what is in this box for 2v2 because... Uh, I've got plenty of friends I can play this with. I think that's amazing. Uh, there are also 28 Battle Brothers tactics. So uh, I'm going to just read this card called Suppressing Fire. We'll talk about it a little bit. So for one command point, it states, Use this tactic when an enemy model would, file over would fire Overwatch at a model from your partner's kill team. Choose a model from your kill team that is within 6 inches of the charging model and has visibility to the enemy model. If the enemy model is within range of the chosen model's ranged weapons, it cannot fire Overwatch this phase. So you have this design space where you can effectively support your teammate uh, just by being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I would assume you have separate command point totals, so they're not shared, but they, they could be. I don't know. Um, but I really like the fact that these tactics are not just, oh, hey, if, you're, uh, if your battle brother is, you know, this army, do a thing. If your battle brother is that army, you can do a thing. So you have just very specific cards that only work with specific matchups, which may or may not exist. 28 cards is a lot. I don't know. Um, but I, what I will say is just based on this suppressing fire card, uh, it does support teamwork it supports you and your battle brother working together um, and being in the same area so that way you know if your opponent wants to fire overwatch and you two are in the same room it's gonna make it a lot more difficult um, I would assume there's battle brother effects that work in melee and shooting and uh, it's just really exciting to see you because like I said earlier with you know, 8th edition, there is no, like, tactic, there's no support, there's no special ability that says, hey, if you and your teammate do something, use this tactic and you get a bonus. Uh, everything in 8th edition is, you know, it's basically you are by yourself. 
So even if you play with a buddy and you play a 2v2, none of your tactics give you any kind of special bonus because you have an ally, um, because you both you know charged a model, because you both shot at a model, because you both moved such and such. Everything is kind of singular. So to see these cards promote teamwork is and cooperation is fantastic. And I, I think Games Workshop is on a really good path because now you can play the game by yourself. You can build your list by yourself. You can theory craft and talk on you know the, the Discord for Squad Tactica, on Facebook, on Reddit. There's a lot of Discord channels, and you know we're on the Facebook group Kill Team 40K. It's all one word, except the 40K. It's you know four and zero. Uh, so there's there's all of these facets where you can work with communities. But imagine how that changes when you can actually work with not only your communities, but a friend in real time. Like you go over to your friend's house, and you sit down, and you think about okay. Let's build these these lists together. You know, my list can do the melee stuff. Your list can do the shooting stuff. Um, you know, we can use suppressing fire. You can bring your, you know, say if it's like, you know, Dave runs uh, Imperial Guard and I can run, say, for example, Plague Greens. Okay, so we can use my Poxwalkers to screen his Scions with, you know, Flamers. Uh, we can use my guys for heavy lifting when it comes to melee because my guys are really good at melee. If I give them, you know, the flail of corruption and the bubonic axe, and we can let his army handle the shooting with uh, hotshot weapons, and like we can, we can just sit down and start to postulate. Like, okay, you know, if we're in a hallway, you know, I can run poxwalkers up to screen. And then you know, he can follow behind with his weapons. Like you and your buddy can start to work together in ways that I don't really think have ever existed before, legitimately. Um, and you also have these tactics to to build around. You know, if you ever played a card game, there's um, there's points where you might have, like for example, I'm gonna use Magic the Gathering. It's probably the most common card game uh, most people who are listening either have played or know about. So going back to Magic the Gathering, there's a lot of points in time where you will have a specific creature that you're trying to build around where they might say, hey, if you sacrifice creatures, you get all these bonuses, or if you draw cards, you get all these bonuses, or if your opponent loses life, you get all these bonuses. And so you build a deck to support that archetype. So if you know a creature says, every time your opponent draws a card, they take two damage. So you want to get that creature on the table, and then you want to play a bunch of cards that forces your opponent to draw cards. Therefore, they're taking damage, and you're getting all this value out of this creature. Same thing applies with this, uh, this idea of Battle Brothers. If you can create a situation where I have this model that's crazy in melee, we just have to get it into melee. All right? Let's work on using suppressing fire. I'll bring a bunch of my models with your melee guy, and we'll make sure that we have command points and we fulfill these requirements so they can't use overwatch, which means your guy can get into melee much more reliably and not die. I can use my models to screen your guy, so that way you're always obscured. Um, you know, if you're playing with, um, you know, Plague Marines, you can use something like the Cloud of Flies tactic, 
So that way they have to shoot a specific model, which keeps your melee champion in check. You know, it protects them. Like, there's all these really interesting ways you and your buddy can sit down and use your strengths to, you know, fill in gaps for your you know your friends weaknesses and you can have these you know interesting plays kind of like a football team you know if we're on this map we can do this formation and you know move this guy down the table in order to get you know this whatever it's it's infinite like all of the things you could possibly do and it's so exciting because i'm a big big fan of community if you've ever listened to the show if you've ever met me i am all about communities growing and one of the best things that fosters community growth is talking about games and although generally when you're talking about a game it's i won you lost or hey i did this and what should i have done like you're talking strategy in terms of uh, either pre or post game you know situations this is a brand new situation where you can go over to a friend's house and talk strategy as long as you want or as short as you want you can go to your game store and talk strategy you can talk with your your teammate you can talk with friends and opponents and hey we want to do this does anyone have any ideas on how that might work oh yeah you know I've, i used to play this list you can do this and this and this and you can start to to bolster the community by working on um you know specific plays specific tactics how to deal with um certain setups on certain boards certain missions because if there's only for Battle Brothers missions, there's not a lot of options. So you can easily go through and look at these and say, hey, you know, this setup, you know, we're weaker if we have only a shooty list, uh, but we're stronger if we have a melee list. But if we play on this mission, we're also really weak here. And that goes back to using that command roster that we were talking about earlier in the show. So you bring all the 20 models instead of just that, you know, your generic, you know, these six models are the ones I always bring every game and I just win or lose by them. Now you probably want to bring those extra 20 models in total and you can pick and choose. Okay, well, if we're on this map, I bring this guy. If we're on that map, I bring that guy. If we're playing with these victory conditions, I want, you know, these three models because they're really good at capturing and, you know, staying alive. Whereas, you know, if it's just kill, 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 I'm going to bring these guys who have scout. Like, it's so brilliant and I'm so excited. Um... But we're going to have to keep moving on because there's still a lot more to talk about. So we've we've covered basically all the stuff we know about Kill Team Arena. And it's, it's great. I'm really excited. I'm still holding on hope that there could be, maybe, but there could be uh, new model profiles. Uh, we could see new things added in. Of course, based on what we've seen from the White Dwarf now, um, I... I highly suspect things that they're going to add into games are probably going to come from the White Dwarf, uh, not necessarily from these expansion rules, and which is unfortunate, but I'm still holding out hope we might see some changes, but uh, at this point, because I, I think they released a uh, the first female Imperial Guardsman as like a commissar. I didn't look into it super heavy, but um, clearly in 2019, they're using the White Dwarf to... Uh, add rules and add expansionary content to the games that we all play and it makes sense because as a business why would you buy a white dwarf if there wasn't something that was exclusive and unique to that piece of print medium and it it makes sense you know the first issue had the crude kill team the second edition for february has this uh, commissar profile 
So it makes sense that, you know, maybe in March and April, they're going to say, okay, here's like Sisters of Battle for Kill Team. Here's, you know, Demons of Chaos. Here's all these, you know, things we're going to be adding and you have to buy the magazine. And the nice thing is it's not a really expensive magazine. Uh, it's much cheaper than if you had to buy Arena as a rule book. So, okay, I understand Games Workshop wants you to buy their magazine and their expansions and their, you know, core rule books and then their, you know, uh, kill team expand. You know, they want you to buy as many things as they put out so they can make money. Um, but I guess it's not the worst thing in the world that if there is a new kill team profile, uh, you can buy the, you know, what is it? $9 white dwarf or, you know, if you don't want to do that, you can go on the internet. I'm not going to say where or how, but you know, it's always on the internet. <laughs> so you don't really, you don't really have to pay $9 for two, three pages of, you know, text if you don't want to. So it is it is as available as you want it to be, but I always recommend support your local store. But like I said in a, in a previous episode, I feel it's really stupid if you only want one specific thing and you have to pay like, you know, $60 for that page of rules. You know, take that as you may. But as best as you can, I think you should support your local store, um, you know, within reasons. There, there's always r rules to be broken and, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but we're going to move on to the two expansions for Kill Team. And this, these are actually really cool. I am probably going to get the Gene Stealer Cult one just because I used to run Tyranids in 6th edition. And I really love Gene Stealers. And uh, the Gene Stealer Cult is interesting, um, but one of their tactics is nuts. And so we're going to just kind of breeze through these really quickly. And then uh, next week, hopefully, I would really like to start diving into um, army profiles, get heavy into, uh, you know, what these armies do and what they play and what they don't play. And I want to start with uh, Death Guard and Plague Marines because they're so much fun and they're super budget friendly. I've said this a million times. I think Kill Team is absolutely budget friendly, out of control, super deluxe hyper special whatever you want to call it but for people who've never played a miniatures game and who've always like looked in but couldn't participate kind of like those old movies where you'd see the kids looking through the glass at the the toy shop and you know it's christmas and the trains got all all little presents running around the tree you know like miniatures gaming as a hobby is is not as approachable as we want it to be I know that if you're listening to the show, you've probably already been playing this game for a long time or you, you know what's going on. But like if you remember way, 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 way back to when you first started, like let's go back in time. Imagine if you will. So the first time you ever approached Warhammer, it was probably very daunting. Even if you had friends who knew what the game was, there was a lot going on you had you know multiple armies you have and so so like we're gonna we're gonna scale it down like triangle so big 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 triangle getting smaller so you start with there's a butt ton of armies so you have to pick one so you have to go through and find you know either an army you like or a play style you like or colors you like or lore you like you have to find something that you can attach to to buy that army so now you've picked your army now you have to build your models and guess what if you don't have any friends who know what's going on there's a bajillion different models there's a, baj a bajillion different weapon profiles they'll do different things 
So you have to buy a rule book, then you have to buy a codex, then you might still have to find out what the heck these things do because a Pathfinder army, a Pathfinder box looks very similar to a Fire Warriors box. And uh, not everyone in the game stores, even the game shop owners, they didn't all play Warhammer back in the day. So you could walk in and go, hi, I'd like to play Tau. Yeah, okay, Warhammer's over there on the wall. Well, do you know anything about Tau? No, nah, man, I play Magic the Gathering. Okay. So then you have to kind of like look online, you have to go through forums, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what do I buy? And it's it's a very daunting task. And that's, you know, not even talking about building the models, painting the models, playing the games, so on and so forth. So where we are right now with Kill Team is a brilliant move by Games Workshop in creating a super accessible way to play a miniatures game. And it's really smart on two folds. One, kill team rules are very simple, and everything you need is legitimately in that core rulebook. If you only bought the core rulebook and you never bought any other expansions, you're fine. But the other nice thing is when you buy these starter sets, no, they are not always going to give you the 100 points you need. But they give you all the models you need to play just to play the game. You could say, all right, we're going to play 50 points versus 50 points. You have enough models to play a game. And you get terrain. So these little boxes are a really, really amazing move to create a accessible environment so anyone can walk in and say, you know what? Those guys with guns and whips and who look like aliens, they look like fun. I'll buy that. And your buddy can buy whatever they want. Say they buy the, uh, you know, Adeptus Mechanicus box and you can pit those two against each other comfortably and have fun. And if you decide, I want to buy more models, you buy more models. If you decide, this is fun, I'm okay with this, then you're also fine. But the approachability factor is infinitely easier than what it used to be. I think that's great. So, let's talk about these boxes, what they are, what they give you, should you buy them, and, you know, moving on from there. So, when you pick up this Starnes Disciples or Gene Steeler Cults Kill Team... You get uh, one, two, three, four, five, six models. Uh, there is a brand new exclusive model within this box that was designed for Commander, but can also be used within Kill Team. So take that as you may. Um, there are, I'm not going to go through every single thing because we're already over an hour, but um, there is a nutty weapon called the Liberator Auto Snub Pistol. It's 12 inches. Uh, it's strength 4, AP negative 1, damage 2, which, I mean, if you get in a close range and you just light someone up with this, that is really brutal. Um, and uh, the, I believe it's Keller Morph that the gun is on has a ballistic skill of 2. And, like, that's just great. <laughs> like, if you're within 12 inches and you just, you basically roll a 2 to hit, probably a 3 or 4 to wound, if it gets through and they don't save, and it is negative AP one, so your Marines are going to be rolling four ups to save. Everyone else generally is looking at four to five ups, so you're going to be rolling on fives and sixes. It's just really potent. It's not, you know, broken by any means, but you can definitely throw out some significant damage at 12 inches, and I think it's amazing. The model looks great too. I really like this model. Um, Clearly, there's going to be rules for the model in both Commander and Kill Team. Like, these these specific boxes for 
uh, Adeptus Mechanicus and uh, Gene Stealer Cult probably, in my opinion, have the most value for their buck. It does make sense that Games Workshop is putting exclusive models within these boxes because uh, currently the Kill Team Commander expansions, they're like $30, $35. You get one model, you get tokens for the commander, and you get an exclusive um, character profile and exclusive tactics. As cool as it is, um, there aren't a lot of new models. I don't actually think there's any new sculpts for those commanders. So the, the bad part is, if you already have commissars, uh, you don't need the model. And like we said earlier, uh, you can just get the cards online. If, you know, if you've got 50 commissars, why would you spend $30 for cards? Doesn't make any sense. Especially when they're on Reddit and, in, in, uh, you know, Instagram and Imager. Just, just take a picture of them. Don't, don't spend $30 for a card. Seems kind of dumb. If you do need the model, which I did, because I bought a commissar, I thought it was a fine value. I got a commissar, I got all the cards, I got all the, to the tokens and things. It was great. So the nice thing is, like, those specific expansions are available for the people who need them, and the cards are available online for the people who don't need to buy the models. But you're not seeing people go out of their way to buy these models if they already have them. So what can Games Workshop do to incentivize players to buy more stuff? Do what they did here. Put an exclusive model only in the starter set for these factions. Okay, that makes sense. So if you want to play Commanders and you want to play Gene Stealer Cult, probably have to buy this. Even though you might already have these other models, you're going to have to pick this guy up or go on eBay or some third-party place to get this model. So it makes a lot of sense to start putting new exclusive stuff in these starter boxes. Now, I'm not upset because I don't have Gene Stealer Cult, but if you do have Gene Stealer Cults, you might not be happy, but we're going to keep moving on. And I think this model looks amazing. The weapon profile looks really good. Uh, the Blaze of Glory tactic is really good. I like that a lot. Um, so anyways, you can read this article on your own accord, but I do think it's really cool that the Warhammer community shows you a picture of the model, and then there's a really short little paragraph kind of blurb that says, uh, you know, what this model could potentially be. So, uh, you know, there's a, uh, a guy with multi-wounds, and you can be a combat specialist and blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have to do any of the things the website says, but it is really nice. Like, we're going back to that approachability. If you're a brand new player, you've never done this before, you can go online, uh, read these uh, profiles, go to your local store, buy the box, just duplicate the profiles that are online. Hey, uh, Scaredash is a zealot specialist. Hey, uh, Groost Goral is a veteran specialist. Hey, Kal Valka has the hand flamer, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's not dedicated specialist, whatever. And you don't really have to worry about figuring out all the details. You can just do a quick carbon copy and start playing games. And that's really what this is about. Buy your box, assemble your model, play your games. You can spend as much time as you want with the fluff, but you can actually start playing games as soon as you want. And that's really good because the more games you play, the deeper you get in. And then, you know, you're just trapped. You're welcome to the Warhammer community. You never get out. <laughs> Once a Warhammer player, always a Warhammer player. But uh, there is a tactic that I definitely want to talk about before we go to Adeptus Mechanicus. And uh, I like the Adeptus Mechanicus too. I just... I'm going to read this. It's pretty nuts. The Cult Innumerable, a Gene Stealer Cult's tactic. For three command points, 
three. It's a lot. Use this tactic when a model from your kill team, other than a specialist, is taken out of action. You can set up that model again in your deployment zone and more than nine inches away from any enemy models. This model is still treated as a casualty at the end of battle. Wow, that is a lot for three command points. You get a model back on the table. Yes, it does count as a casualty if you're going for um, you know, kills as victory points, or um, like we were talking about earlier with the arena, you know, if you kill a model, you put a little token down. If you retrieve the token, you get a victory point. Like, you're not ignoring the fact that the model died, uh, but you are getting an extra model for three command points. And mind you, it can't be a specialist. So you can do some nutty things, and you can bring a, a model with a really strong weapon profile and just not give it the specialist title of anything and you know put that in your 20 point roster when you come to a match where it's like hey I might want this guy twice you've got the cult innumerable tactic uh, three points is not impossible to achieve uh, I mean gracious this is a really cool very very cool tactic like Thematically, it's cool. Uh, strategically, it's cool. It's. I'm. This makes me want to play Gene Steelers. I'm not gonna lie. Like. The the concept of for those of you who don't know, like Gene Steelers, generally infiltrate a planet. We're going into lore mode here, so they infiltrate a planet, and they um uh, too long didn't read. They basically. Um, mix some of their DNA with that of the host planet they've invaded and just kind of they just kind of waited out so that over the course of like years and years and years uh, the genetics of that planet begin to mutate until they just flat out turn into gene stealers and they're you know tyranids so the the thing that makes it really cool is it's really you know tyranids are really hard to kill because if you kill one another one just kind of pops up and with this tactic, you can actually do that. You couldn't you couldn't really do that in previous iterations because it didn't exist. It, you know, it's kind of like aliens. They just kind of pop out of your belly. And it's like, oh, crap, there's another one we have to deal with. And with this tactic, you kind of get to do that where it's like, oh, you know, little Jim Bob died. Nope, he's back. He just repopulated into that host shell over there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I, I think it's like thematically just a really super neat thing. Uh, it is expensive, but if you have a command roster with you know a melee non-specialist, a ranged non-specialist, heavy weapons non-specialist, like you can throw them into your list, and if they die, okay, they're back. Oh, I thought I killed that guy. You did, but there's another one of them. And you know, as we all know, numbers really matter in kill team, especially if it's like mid to late game, and there's a bunch of models that have flesh wounds and you get a fresh model on the board oh man also you can if you're smart you can use that generic model to try and soak a lot of flesh wounds so that your other models are healthy and that one guy you don't necessarily have like a plague of flies tactic to make a specific model the target of your opponent's um, shooting phase but uh, if they're the only one available, your opponent might just shoot them up because there's no other option, which keeps your other models alive. Or, you know, you can have a model that's not a specialist run interference. That way they're at the forefront. 
And so what if they die? You just bring them back. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can use this tactic to, to your advantage. I think that's great. Uh, the models look great. The profiles look great. Um, I guess the question is, is this worth the money? I think so. Oh, okay, let me, let me say like this. If you're brand new to the game and you don't have anything whatsoever, zero product, and you're like, I want to get into Kill Team and these Gene Stealer cults look cool, this is worth your money. I can say that comfortably. Uh, if you already have Gene Stealers and the only thing you would be getting is this model and that tactic, you'd probably have to think about it. Uh, I, I personally don't mind getting extra models. Um, but the reality is if you have, uh, you know, your acolyte hybrids and your neophyte hybrids, you probably have all of these models outside of this exclusive one. If you're not playing commander whatsoever, you can probably skip this and just take the tactic that was posted online and, you know, proxy it, throw it in a sleeve and you're good to go. Um, but if you are playing commanders, the profile on this model is pretty good. And the model itself does look really good. Uh, so that's my should you buy it review for Gene Stealer Cults. It depends on your situation. Um, but if you don't have them whatsoever, yes, I think this is an excellent buy-in. Uh, let's move along to the last thing before we get on out of here. And that is the Adeptus Mechanicus Theta 7 Acquisitus Starter Box. Now, same thing. These are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six models. In the box one of the models is exclusive to this box it's only made for this starter set it is a commander it's also is something you can use in Warhammer 40k uh, 8th edition and you can use it in regular kill team there's there's all these different profiles for this model but if you want to get this model similar to the gene sealer cult one you must buy this box uh, same old same old uh, they've got all these different abilities there are some pieces of terrain um, I, the, the tech priest manipulus looks, yeah, manipulus looks really good. Uh, it has a two up armor save and a five up invulnerable save four wounds <laughs> and, and blessed bionics. So blessed bionics gives you a plus a uh, five up invulnerable save. And in addition, at the beginning of each battle round, this model regains D three lost wounds, what? <laughs> like, oh, I dealt some damage to it. Well, it self-heals, so that's a thing. A 2-up armor save and a 5-up invulnerable save. This model has got to be very expensive as a commander. There's no way this is going to be like a, a Imperial Guard point, like 30-point model. Like, it's got to be 100 or more. So... Now I want to play Adeptus Mechanicus because I actually like playing Commanders a lot. And I want both of these. And I hate Games Workshop because they both have really interesting things. So like the Gene Stealer Cult, I think, appeals to me more for Kill Team, just flat Kill Team. But Adeptus Mechanicus appeals to me for Commanders um, because this model profile is insane. And there's a Magna Rail, Lance, Magna Rail Lance, 18 inches. Heavy 1, Strength 7, AP 3, Damage D3, but if you make a shooting attack and you didn't move in the previous movement phase, 
your damage characteristic is just three. So if you stay still and you shoot in the next round, you have an 18-inch weapon that is, what do you have? You have a ballistic skill of three. So it's three to hit. With a strength of seven, that's probably going to be a three to wound. AP negative three, three damage. Space Marines are now a six up armor save. Everyone else, you're you're done goofed. And three damage, you are going to probably die. I would be shocked if you didn't die from three damage. It's nuts. Uh, there's another weapon, a transonic cannon. We're, we're not going to talk about that. It's I don't think it's as good, but it's it's interesting. Um, the model itself is beautiful. Like, I want this model to paint. And that's what frustrates me about Games Workshop is not only are they making exclusive models that have great profiles, but they look fantastic. Uh, so moving on, you've got uh, leader of the kill team, blah, blah, blah. He does the thing. It's, this, is, this is exactly the same thing as the Gene Stealer Cult uh, loadout. If you have no idea what you're doing and you just want to play these mechanical guys who have coats and they're painted with red paint and it's just really cool looking and they're kind of robots, you can just go to this website, this, uh, this specific page, and they have names, they have specialist loadouts, and you can just copy it. And I think it's great because you know if you're a brand new player, it just kind of removes some of that intimidation factor. You just get some glue put these things together. It's like, okay, well, this model is the same thing from the, the webpage. So this is IX99. Here's what he does. Here's a TYR 0.44. Here's what he does, blah, 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 blah. Very straightforward. Uh, now, one thing I do want to talk about in this article, similar to the Gene Stealer Cult, is a tactic card. And this one is also pretty nuts. It's called uh, Recknit Recknit circuitry it is one command point it is a adeptus mechanicus tactic it says use this tactic at the beginning of the morale phase choose a model from your kill team and remove d3 flesh wounds from that model so whereas the gene stealer cults can just put a new model on the table for three command points this one can just remove a minimum of one and a maximum of three flesh wounds because you know d3 there's no opportunity to fail uh, that is pretty beeping good. One, like, this kind of translates into what is the value of a command point? And as we've seen, a value of a command point, at the worst, one command point is worth a flesh wound. At best, it's worth three flesh wounds. But the fact that you can just flat out, you know, if you have a model that has one flesh wound, you can just flat out say, I pay one command point, pull the flesh wound off. Real simple. Uh, we, that's really good. It's really great. Um, I don't know if this is the exclusive card in the set, um, but I'm like really impressed because that just gives the Adeptus Mechanicus kill team a really strong defensive presence. It's very resilient um, because you know we're used to high level armies. You know when you say, "Hey, there, this is a high level army," well, why is it a high level army? Uh, looking at you say um plague marines they've got a three up armor save and then they have the disgustingly resilient five plus plus it's not an invulnerable save technically um, but it's like feel no pain so you roll your armor save if you fail that you then get to roll your disgustingly resilient so you have a second roll second chance to survive 
Now, when you're looking here at these Adepticus Mechanicus, uh, you know, I don't know necessarily if they have that um, same profile where they would have something akin to Disgustingly Resilient, where they get an armor save and then a Disgustingly Resilient save. It does say here on the site, um, they're hardy fighters, they have two wounds, four up save, and a six up invulnerable save, which is good, but that still means they only have one save to choose from. You don't get to do your armor and your invulnerable, you have to pick, which is why... Um, you know, Plague Marines are considered to be top tier. They also have insanely good weapons, and they do have Toughness 5, but we're talking specifically about survivability. Even if Adepticus Mechanicus doesn't have an additional role available to them for saves, they can just use this tactic at will. They can only use it once, but still, you can just flat out say, that model right there is just stripping off Flesh Wounds. And if they have more than one, you clearly roll the die. But, you know, this is a very, very valuable tactic. And you always get command points as long as your leader is on the table. So you can just keep using this turn after turn after turn, keep your leader healthy, keep a model that you might want to get into melee combat healthy. Uh, there's a lot of applications for this tactic, both offensively and defensively. And it's uh, it's very well costed, I think. Uh, one command point is very cheap. Um which is really exciting. Like like I said, I actually want to play both these armies, and beforehand, I'd never actually been interested in them um, until this box set came out. And, um, yeah, uh, kudos, Games Workshop. I do like the model for Adeptus Mechanicus a little bit more than the Gene Stealer Cult. There's more going on. Um, but let's do a quick, you know, should I buy it, should I not buy it? Once again, if you're brand new to the game and you don't have any Adeptus Mechanicus, yes. Absolutely. This is a fantastic place to get started. You might might have enough to get really close to 100 points. I don't know what the, the profiles for these models are, to be honest. So I can't say if you will or won't, but these, these guys are chunky. They look great. Um, they were also in the starter set. So if you got the starter set and this, you, you definitely would have a full kill team with plenty of models to play within that command roster. Um, if you already have Adeptus Mechanicus, once again, it kind of goes back to, do you really want to buy this exclusive model um, and that tactic? Uh, and that, that's just up to you. It really depends on your specific situation and what you want to purchase. But um, I think both of these boxes are excellent value for the brand new player. And I still legitimately think Games Workshop put enough in there um, if you don't have a, well, if you've already bought into that specific army, but you don't have these exclusive models, I think it's probably okay. I think it's probably worth the money in just terms of like flat cash value. Uh, you do get terrain, you do get exclusive cards. It's not just, Hey, you're buying models. And like I said earlier, terrain is always really nice to have. Um, especially if we're going to be playing with, the Kill Team Arena stuff, um, you know, some of these pieces of terrain are nice and small, so it makes for, you know, great obscurity, but it doesn't just completely block line of sight to your model. So we'll see how that goes, but um, I, I really think 2019 Games Workshop has stepped up their game with these, these releases. Like, they were pretty good before, but uh, these are noticeably better. And I do understand, like I said previously, it's probably from a business perspective of how can we sell more models 
because that's literally what they do. Um, but I don't think they're being greedy about it this time. Now, someone's probably going to disagree with me, but um, you're getting more bang for your buck. You're getting some really well-sculpted models. Uh, their profiles are not bad at all. It would be really bad if you got an exclusive model that sucked. That would be a cash grab for sure. Um, but it would appear that these models are well thought out, well designed. Um, they are probably more focused on Commander, but they have enough um, push that you could use them in Kill Team and be effective with them. So, yeah, I'm very excited. This this has been a lot of fun talking about um, the new stuff coming out of Kill Team, and I'm very excited for what 2019 has to offer. Like I said, I'm planning on going to Adepticon. I've got my flights lined up. I've got my hotel lined up. Um, I am going to be participating in some Star Wars Destiny stuff. Like It's, it's going to be great because there's going to be um, Warhammer stuff. There's going to be Destiny stuff. There's going to be lots of friends from both games. And I am just very excited to hang out and play with anyone and everyone who shows up and I'll make sure I'm easy to find so you know you can come up say hi maybe we can play a game talk about stuff uh, I'm really interested in doing some painting while I'm there so you know maybe we can find a day where we'll just find a room and just go hang out and paint and just kind of shoot the breeze with you know squad tactical listeners who knows we'll figure it out but uh, yeah that's the end of the show and it has been a absolute blast thank you once again to all of our patreons thank you to everyone who joined me in the live stream it's uh it's been a lot of fun just kind of hanging out talking about kill team goofing off and speculating about what might be coming in 2019 there's so many things and we've just started it's january and man this is a really strong start for games workshop so i, I applaud them and i'm very excited to see what they move into um, as always, we are sponsored by Battlefoam and Discount Games Inc. So check them out. They make quality products. Uh, Discount Games Inc. has 15% off all their products, and they have a bigger discount if you email Jay at discountgamesinc.com and say, Hey, Sugi sent me. I hear there's a, a bigger discount. How do I get that? And he'll tell you how to do that. And then Battlefoam.com, they make fantastic foam products to protect your kill team, protect your um, you know, board games, they've got board game stuff. You can protect your um, bigger models, smaller models. Uh, you can protect your terrain. There's just tons, tons and tons and tons of stuff you can do. Uh, I also want to give a quick plug to um, Squad Marks. We talked about this on previous episodes. Uh, just really short, it's a piece of plastic you can put on the bottom of your model and it helps uh, designate a specialist a leader, um, whatever you need it to be, they're really, really cheap. Like you get like 10 for like six bucks and you can get 10% off when you go and pick those up. If you use the code squad tactica, uh, when you purchase them and the links are in the show notes. And you know, I, I was given a review copy to talk about it a couple weeks ago, but, um, I've been using it in my games ever since. And, you know, I, I just really want to give a huge shout out to uh, the 40 K podcast for sending me those, uh, as a review copy because they, they just work so well. And, you know, like I said, I'm all about community. I'm all about making the ease of gaming simpler so that way people can focus on the game experience and not the mechanics of the game experience. And for for six bucks, I think this is a very worthwhile investment. Um, it's just so, so good. It just, it's so simple. It does an amazing job. It's quick, it's clear. 
that's that's it like that's the review it's a perfectly useful upgrade to anything even if you're not playing kill team if you're listening to this and you're like well i play warhammer 8th edition get one to put on your squadron leaders on your sergeants it just it makes life so much easier for you and your opponent and they're they're just great so anyways that's all i have to say this week thank you so much for joining me we will see you next time like i said i'm going to be traveling to austin for a star wars destiny regional so we won't be recording on the affirmation sundays like we normally do uh we will probably go back to recording on sundays uh after the super bowl because i'm traveling this weekend next weekend and then maybe the weekend after that so we'll see like the weekend after the super bowl or two weeks after the super bowl we'll go back to regularly scheduled programming but until then have fun playing kill team also i do want to say one quick thing if you have any questions we do have a uh, ask me anything podcast for patreons only but if you've got questions you want to hear about you know send them to the facebook page send them to squat gmail.com pm me um, i would love to hear from our listeners because i know there's a lot of you Lots of people have subscribed. They're part of the Facebook group. They're on Discord. If you've got any questions, please ask me. I will be happy to shout your name out, answer the question, and just kind of talk about whatever you want to hear about on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. And remember, keep on killing them.